Soccer News IV, Soccer News IV, it's in your veins. Brought to you by Soccerom.com from Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros before the best coaches go to practice, they go to Soccerom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm Stephen Parr, the host of Soccer News IV. Here's our top story. The U.S. got checked. In Germany, the Czech Republic thumped Bruce's boys 3 to nothing. This was easily the worst game the U.S. has played in eight years, and what a time to come out stinking. The first game of the 2006 World Cup. The Czechs got an early goal off a header from 6'7-inch Jan Kohler in the fifth minute of the game. Then things got bad. Thomas Rosicki hit home one of the most beautiful goals of the Cup so far in the 36th minute as Claudio Reyna failed to close him down. Then Rosicki put the game far out of reach in the 76th with his second netter of the night. The U.S. was unable to put really much in the way of offense on the field. Claudio Reyna did hit the post in the first half. Eddie Johnson had a couple of looks at goal, but for the most part, the Yanks just weren't able to take the ball and move forward. Bruce Serena was very matter-of-fact after the game. He said the U.S. did not get enough out of Landon Donovan and got nothing out of DeMarcus Beasley. Landon took the criticism well. He agreed with the coach and said he respected Arena for being honest about his performance. Beasley did not seem to take the criticism so well. In an interview with ESPN, he complained that he's being asked to do too much that when he defends, he can't go forward. And so maybe next time he just shouldn't defend at all. Okay, let's face it. Beasley is not the same player he was in 2002. Yes, he's had some hamstring injuries this last year, but I don't think that's the biggest problem. I think he's lost the joy on the field. Heading into this cup, many pundits applauded Beasley for being better at defending. And while he is better at that now than in 2002, that's not what it makes him special. During the last World Cup, Beasley was taking on players. He was darting in and out and basically creating massive problems for the opposition. Not only did he fail to do that against the Czechs, he hasn't done it in any of the warm-up games this year. Last time I saw even a glimpse of that was during qualifying against Mexico more than a year ago. I think he's run into problems trying to get back onto the field for his club team, PSV Eindhoven. I think the rigid structure of most European teams has sucked the fun out of the game for Bees. He's now just frustrated, and it showed before the game, and it's showing now in his response to Bruce Arena. He's not the only American player to run into this type of problem playing for European teams. I don't think Alexi Lawless was as good after going to Italy as he was before, and I know Clint Mathis is not the same player he was before his stint at Hanover 96. Now, some people are still judging Landon Donham for bailing out of his German club in favor of the Southern California beaches. Well, look at Donovan's reaction to Bruce's comments this week, and then look at Beasley's. Which player seems more frustrated to you? Of course, my whole rant here is rather pointless if Donovan doesn't come back against Italy on Saturday as a changed man. And he probably won't be the only changed man, at, at least in the lineup. 
Many believe Bruce Arena will put Clint Dempsey in and have DeMarcus ride the bench. Eddie Johnson is likely to get a starting nod as well. If the U.S. doesn't beat Italy on Saturday, they could be mathematically eliminated from the Cup by Saturday afternoon. Speaking of math, the numbers are up. TV ratings for this Cup are breaking records in the U.S. The game against the Czechs had the largest audience ever for a soccer game on ESPN2. More than 2 million folks tuned in during the lunch hour. Combined numbers for ABC and Univision show more than 7 million Americans watched the Mexico-Iran game on Saturday. For English-language TV, the audience is almost three times the size of the last World Cup in Korea and Japan. And these morning and mid-morning games are actually outdrawing the Stanley Cup championship games on NBC during prime time. Meanwhile, nobody's watching MLS. Well, I, I say nobody. There are folks in the stands. But ESPN2 is not showing any MLS games during the World Cup, and who can blame them? Look, I've watched every World Cup game so far, and after three games by 3 p.m., I'm kind of suckered out for the day. MLS is keeping a full schedule through the Cup, but if someone like me is not tuning into the MLS matches on pay-per-view direct kick even after I've paid for the whole package, then who is watching MLS? I think the league has made a rather poor decision to keep playing through the Cup. The league says it's something they will consider doing differently next time around. While MLS soldiers on, Soldier Field is no longer the home to the MLS. The Chicago Fire finally opened at their new home stadium, Toyota Park, over the weekend. You'll remember we told you the top secret name of the stadium had been leaked several weeks ago. The stadium is a beautiful park just out Chicago, outside Chicago. And too bad no one got to see it. The game wasn't shown on television and tickets were only available to season ticket holders and residents of the city of Bridgeview. I'm sure we will all get to see this nice addition to MLS eventually. Alan Rothenberg was honored by FIFA this week. He was given the FIFA Order of Merit for his contribution to the sport. Rothenberg was the man who organized the highly successful 1994 World Cup, was the founder and chairman for Major League Soccer, and was the chairman of the 1999 Women's World Cup. Rothenberg is just the sixth American to receive the Order of Merit. On to the World Cup. I'm going to take you group by group for initial standings after the first round of games, the, the first games, not the entire first round. Let's start logically with Group A. Germany is at the top of the table thanks to a 4-2 win over Costa Rica, but the surprise was Ecuador's 2-0 win over Poland. In Group B, England beat Paraguay thanks to an own goal in the fourth minute. It was enough to put them in first, and there was a 0-0 tie between tiny Trinidad and Tobago and Sweden. Argentina holds the top spot in Group C based on goals scored. They put in two goals against the Ivory Coast. The Netherlands were able to hit one goal against Serbia and Montenegro. Mexico beat Iran 3-1. That has them sitting at the top of Group D. Portugal also got three points, beating former colony Angola 1-0. 
It's not yet checkmate time for the Americans in Group E, but it is close. The Czechs scored three goals. The Italians scored two goals against Ghana. Both teams have three points, and the U.S. is in last based on goal differential. Brazil beat Group F rival Croatia 1-0, but they are currently in second place because Australia, yes, Australia, scored three goals in the last six minutes of the game against Japan. That has the Kangaroos, the Socceroos, in first place. Korea is all alone at the top of Group G. They came from behind to beat Togo 2-1. France and neighbors Switzerland tied 0-0. France has not scored a goal in a World Cup since their victory over Brazil in 1998. And Spain was dominating over Ukraine in Group H. The Spaniards netted four goals. That means the U.S. is not the worst team in the cup, at least on paper. Saudi Arabia and Tunisia tied 2-2 in a wild match, each walk away with one point. On to the MLS. Frank Yallop lost his first game as head coach for the Galaxy. Worse, he lost to Chivas USA. Ante Razov put in two goals for the 2-1 victory. Colorado has a lead in the Rocky Mountain rivalry. They beat Real 1-0 in Colorado. The Dynamo and Red Bull tied in the Meadowlands. Each was able to put in one goal and no more. This is the seventh tie in 10 games for New York. Kansas City got back on track with the 1-0 game against the Columbus Crew. The victory keeps Kansas City in second place in the East. FC Dallas kept their lead in the West thanks to a 2-1 win at home against Chivas USA. Ante Razov hit the lone goal for the Goats. It was his third goal of the week. Chicago and New England had a wild game to open up Toyota Park. The fire was up 2-0 until Taylor Twellman scored in the 87th minute. Then one minute into injury time, the fire's Kalen Carr put in his first goal of the season to seal the win, except that Steve Ralston hit the goal in the 93rd. It's now 3-2. And then Andy Dorman tied things up four minutes into stoppage time. That's a total of four goals in seven minutes. They can't even keep that pace up in indoor. It sounds like it was an interesting game. Too bad no one saw it. And the Galaxy finally stopped their seven-game losing streak with a tie, 1-1 against D.C. United. Kobe Jones returned from injury to get the goal for L.A. The schedule. There's more World Cup action than I can keep up, up with, so make sure you set your TiVo. As for the MLS, there are five games this weekend. It starts at 6 on Saturday with D.C. United visiting the New England Revolution. That is available on direct kick. The Galaxy host Red Bull New York at 7.30 Eastern. That game is on direct kick and HDNet. I'm, I'm betting it's a tie. Real Salt Lake heads to sea level to meet the Houston Dynamo. The game is on direct kick at 8.30. Kansas City hosts Chicago for the Fire's 10th road game of the season. Kickoff is at 8.30, but the only way to see it is to buy a ticket at Arrowhead. And Chivas USA hosts the Columbus Crew. That game is on Sunday at 10 Eastern. If you haven't watched enough soccer by then, you, know, you can watch that one on direct kick. 
Well, that's it for this week. That's all. That's all we have. <laughs> that's it. I need to give a big shout-out to the folks at SoccerRob.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Farr. Remember, Soccer News IV, it's in your veins.